thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Right, well, there we go. Do you know how croaky I am this morning? Struggling a little bit this morning. I don't want sympathy, though. Oh, no. oh thanks. Yeah, okay. That's what people say when they don't want sympathy, innit? I don't want sympathy. Um, so if you, I'll try and be brief this morning. Hooray! Um, <coughs> no, Chris, no. Um, over Christmas, we've done a new series that's just been two sessions long, really. Um, and last week I talked about the king is coming and how actually Jesus, the Christmas story, was promised hundreds and hundreds of years before that Jesus was coming, that the king was coming, the Messiah was coming, that he was going to arrive, but he didn't arrive in a way that was expected. And I thought just to finish off the year, we'd have the king is coming again. Because actually as Christians, we've just sung it really, It's not just about Christmas, it's the fact that Christmas was promised, the birth of Jesus was promised, it was promised, 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 and now we have a promise that he's coming back again. But actually we have a bit more of a description of what it will be like. It won't be a baby born in a major. uh, Who's enjoyed some of the Christmas telly this year? Nobody. BBC will be pleased, okay? Let's stop paying our license fee. Some people have enjoyed, anyone, anyone get excited and watch Gavin and Stacey? I said this last week, okay? People are embarrassed. Now, there's also a thing we're going to talk about this morning, judgment. Oh, okay, you know, we might be sitting here in this front bit of church going, oh, look at those people under the balcony. Oh, okay, we're not, we're not saying that, okay? Look at those people under the balcony. Oh, the seats here on the front, they could be more blessed. <laughs> That's not true. We're going to get spat on by me. It's like the splash zone at SeaWorld. Um, you know, Gavin and Stacey. Oh, hold on, my wife's choking. You all right? You okay? <coughs> Gavin and Stacey made a comeback, didn't they? They made a return. And I have to say, the ending was a little bit disappointing because nobody really knows what's going to happen next. What about, where's, anyone watch Wurzel Gummidge? Wurzel Gummidge was brilliant. Absolute genius. I loved the fact that the cows got paid. If you've not seen it, on the iPlayer, there's two episodes, and the graffiti on some cows at one point is hilarious. But anyway, but it really reminded me of my childhood. And actually, I once met the original Wurzel Gummidge and Aunt Sally in Trafalgar Square when I was a young lad, and I couldn't get hold of the picture, unfortunately. But I was in Trafalgar Square on a quiet, Christmassy sort of wintry morning between Christmas and New Year, and it was fairly empty. I don't think I've ever seen Trafalgar Square as empty. And there was me and my family. They must have got us up early out of the hotel. My dad probably refused to pay for breakfast because he was a bit stingy, stuff like that. Probably took us on a walk around Trafalgar Square. And then um, we walked into Trafalgar Square and there was John Pertwee and Eunice Stubbs, who were Wurzel Gummidge and Aunt Sally, okay? And he, they were in costume. They were obviously filming something. And at the time, I didn't have my pigeon issue. Those of you who've been coming to Spring out a while know I can't stand pigeons. I can't stand anything flying around my head. I crashed my car once because I had a fly in it. So there we go. But these pigeons, and I had pigeons all over me. 
because they were eating seed off me and he was trying to get pigeons to come to him and he couldn't. And I met Wurzel Gummidge and, you know, I was excited to see the return of Wurzel Gummidge to our TV screens. And I thought it was really good fun, very gentle, very nice, it was good. Um, what about the new year? What are you excited about for 2020? What are you excited about? Anyone? Yes. Well, that's an answer. Okay, yes. What about the return of James Bond? Okay, the return of James Bond. Who likes a bit of James Bond? A bit of Daniel Craig? Yeah, okay, if you've not seen the trailer, it's very exciting. It looks very exciting. Typical Bond stuff. Um, Doctor Who's back on New Year's Day. Yeah? You can tell I'm into telly. A lot of you, obviously, this morning are thinking, Johnny, shut up about the telly. Okay? Uh, or what about Miranda Hart on New Year's Day as well? You know, a few people like Miranda. Such fun. Um, I even, over Christmas, saw a snippet of EastEnders. I think it was an advert for EastEnders. Not watched EastEnders since before we had children. And even then, I didn't really watch it. Ros did. But I was intrigued to see that there's loads of people back in EastEnders that I'm sure were either dead or long gone. You know, Sonia, the trumpet player, she's back in EastEnders. Couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Is Dead Wellard still in there? No, I don't know. The dog. We get excited about returns, don't we? The return of Gavin and Stacey, the return of Miranda, the return of James Bond, the return of all these things. You know, comebacks are good, aren't they? Wolves, Man City, that was a great comeback this week. Sorry, Jeff, I'm not supposed to say that. Apparently, Ryan Clyde's working on a remix of your name, by the way, just so you know, because I mention you so often. <coughs> the whole of Lord of the Rings, the story, isn't really about Bilbo Baggins, Frodo and Samwise. It's about the return of a king. It's about the return of a rightful king to his rightful place. That's the whole story going on. And last week we said the king is coming. Jesus, the promised king, is coming. Talked about, prophesied about. And now we've celebrated Christmas. I want to remind us that the king is coming again. There's going to be a return. The king is coming back. Jesus himself promised to return. He was born. He lived. He ministered. He spoke. He died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, but we're still waiting for his return. And this isn't going to be just a repeat. It will happen. I want to read some verses. Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 to 31, in the message version, say this. I'm going to break it into little chunks, so you can keep it up on the screen, okay? Matthew 24, 30 to 31, say this. Then, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus himself says this. Then the arrival of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is another title of Jesus. So then the arrival of the Son of Man. It will fill the skies. No one will miss it. I just want to stop there. The return of Jesus will fill the skies. No one will miss it. Not one person will miss it. No ifs, no buts. It will happen. This, this isn't just Christmas Mark 2. You know, the other thing over Christmas you notice is the two Ronnies are always on, aren't they? There must be a two Ronnie's channel at Christmas time that just shows two Ronnie's jokes. You know, four candles and all that. And Morecambe and Wise, they always make a return at Christmas. They're always there. And actually, it, this isn't Christmas Mark II. Jesus' return, the return of the king, isn't just, oh, it's the same old, same old. Oh, it's the repeats we've seen before. Oh, it's just the return. He's coming back as a baby in a stable in Bethlehem again. No. This isn't, you know, some things the second time around aren't as good, are they? You know, I saw a DVD the other week of the goodies. I used to love the goodies, but I can guarantee if I watched it now, it would be absolutely rubbish. 
Because actually it's just dated, it's faded, it's, it's, it's aged. Some mothers do have them as another one. That probably lasts the test of time a bit more. But this isn't Christmas repeats. This isn't baby in a manger part two. This isn't, you know, this isn't meek and mild Jesus appearing just to certain poor shepherds. This is no one will miss it. Not one person will miss it. It will be seen. It will happen. This is the return, not of the king, but of the king of kings. This is the return of Jesus, the death beater, the sin destroyer. It will fill the skies. This isn't just a sort of localized event. This is something universal, worldwide, that will not be missed. And it says in the Bible, every knee will bow. Every knee. That's the knee of people who've gone, don't want your religious rubbish. That's the knee of people who've gone, I'll, I'll look at it when I'm a bit older. I'll have a bit of fun now. That's the knee of people even who are Christians who've perhaps just gone their own way instead of God's way. Every knee will bow. Christmas, the return of the King of Kings, part two. It's not a remake. It's not a repeat. It's a new thing. And Jesus has promised he's coming again. He's promised he will return. And he says, nobody will miss it. It goes on to say in that verse, it says this, unready people all over the world, outsiders to the splendor and power, will raise a huge lament as they watch the Son of Man blazing out of heaven. You've heard of deja vu, yeah? <coughs> You've heard of deja vu, yeah? yeah. You've heard of deja vu? Yeah, okay. You like that joke, don't you? Deja vu is the feeling that you've lived through a present situation before. The phrase actually translates literally as already seen. Already seen. Deja vu. Did you know, you know, when Jesus first came, the announcement to the shepherds was of tidings of great joy. Do not be afraid. Jesus appeared, or the sorry, the Jesus appeared in a stable. The angels came to the shepherds and said, "Don't be afraid. I bring tidings of great joy." They were still terrified because it was out of the ordinary. But here in these passage, we see the fact that unready people all over the world will raise a huge lament. You know, when this sky firework appears, if you like, when this majesty of Jesus in the skies that fills the skies. It won't all be oohs and ahs. It will all be a terrible excitement. For some and for many, they won't be ready. So we need to know uh, this morning, Spirit, are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we ready for the return of the King of Kings? You know, the shepherds weren't expecting the sight, but they went away filled with joy. They went away rejoicing. They went away telling everybody the good news. But we also saw that first Christmas last week, King Herod there was anger, wasn't there? There was fear. There was pride. Why? Because Herod thought he was going to have to lose his importance. Herod thought he was going to lose his seat. Herod thought he was going to lose his position. Herod thought he was going to lose his power. When Jesus returns, unready people will raise a huge lament as they watch Jesus fill the heaven with glory. I've been very fortunate to go to Disney World in my life. And uh, if you've been to Disney World, one of the things that you get excited about and everybody anticipates is at the end of the day, the most incredible firework display you have ever seen. Incredible firework display you've ever seen. This New Year's Eve, when the clock strikes midnight in London, 
there'll be the most incredible firework display you've ever seen from the London Eye. In Sydney, near the Opera House, there'll be the most incredible firework display you've ever seen filling the sky. And there'll be people going, wow, yeah? Do you agree? Going, ooh, ah, incredible. And they'll go away going, did you see that? That was amazing. It went on for 15 minutes. It went on for ages. It was incredible. It doesn't disappoint. Everybody is gearing themselves for it. Everybody is ready for it. The people who are lighting the fireworks are preparing it now. And the people who've got their tickets to stand on London Embankment, I think it is, are excited that they've managed to get a ticket. Because the fireworks are going to fill the sky of London at a certain time when the clock strikes 12. There will be squeals of joy. And in Disney, everybody's ready for it. They're ready, sat at least 15 to 20 minutes before it happens. They're sometimes stood, getting the best position they can to see the sky fill with fireworks. Yeah? I mean, if you've been to Park Farm on November the 5th, you're sort of close, okay? Or sort of. Especially when they fall over and fire at people, that's really exciting, you know? That's, that's exciting. You know, this verse tells me that when Jesus' glory fills the sky, this is bigger than any fireworks in London. This is bigger than any display at Disney. When Jesus' glory fills the sky, Jesus, the King of Kings, when he returns, not everybody will be expecting it. Not everybody's been waiting for it. Not everybody will be ready for it. And there's certain people who certainly wouldn't be looking forward to it if they knew it was coming. And there are certain people who will raise a huge lament. They won't just jump with a bit of shock. They will raise a huge lament. In other words, a lament is a song of great sadness. They will raise a huge cry of sadness because they weren't ready. Because suddenly, in that moment when Jesus fills the skies, when the king returns, they will realize what life should have really been about. They will realize what would have been best for them. They will realize where it all went wrong in the first place. You know, it goes on to say this in those verses. At that same moment, Jesus will dispatch his angels with a trumpet blast summons, pulling in God's chosen from the four winds from pole to pole. That bit's exciting because we've got the beginning bit where it says it'll fill the skies. Jesus' return will be evident. It will happen. It will be seen. Yeah. Some of you don't look very excited about this prospect. You know, perhaps I should have put an episode of the two Ronnies on. Maybe you'd have smiled. Okay. Jesus' return will fill the skies. Secondly is, some people won't be ready for it. Is that us? Are we ready? Are we prepared for Jesus to come back? Because the third point is this. He's coming back for those that are chosen. And he's chosen you. But you've got to accept that choice. He has chosen. It says in the Bible, for God to love the world. We sang a song this morning that says he died for the sin of the world. Not the sins, the sin. All of us make mistakes. But God sent Jesus to pay the price. So he's coming to take those he's chosen from the four winds, from pole to pole, from all over the earth. That's an exciting thought. Because if this morning you've made that choice to say yes to Jesus, he's coming for you. He's going to take you out of this miserable place, if you like, and take you to a place where there is no fear, no tears, no pain, no suffering, no sadness, no sickness, just joy. Is that what we want? Are we ready for it? Because we've got to get ready for it. You know, in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it talks about us being ready like a bride. The verses in Revelation 19, verses 6 to 8, say this. 
This is John. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. You know, heaven isn't going to be quiet. Shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. This isn't, let's all pray. I went to South Africa. I've told this story before. I'll tell it again because it makes me, makes me smile. And we went to South Africa with some of the youth from here. And we worked on a township. And there was loads of things kicking off that weren't great. So the guy running the activity in Durban said, we need to pray. We need to really pray. Spiritual warfare. We need to pray over what's going on here. There were some horrendous stories we were hearing that were happening to some of the children that were coming. There's about 1,000 children coming to our project every day. And he said, we need to pray. So there's about 30 of us English guys there. And he got us in a circle. He said, right, I want you all to pray. Just all pray together. And of course, those English people just go, yes, Father God, just pray. Amen. And he goes, you whisper. The devil loves it when you whisper. And he does that, honestly. We all jumped out of our skins. And all of a sudden, he's like, you need to pray. Come on. We need to shout this out into the atmosphere. We need to proclaim it. And, and then, I'll tell you, we didn't whisper again. We were terrified. We were like, oh, I'm not going to get home. <laughs> I went past a sign every day which said danger of being hijacked as well, so I was already a bit worried. But, um, yeah, he shouted. He shouted at us. Sorry for those on the podcast who've been driving and careered off the road. But anyway, he shouted, you, you don't whisper, we need to shout this into the atmosphere. Here we see a picture of heaven which says, a sound of great multitude. You know, there's a lot of churches in our country that love the number of people in church that we have. You know? And there's a great multitude. Let's make our voices heard. Let's make our voice. We, we can change the atmosphere with the sound of singing. We can change the atmosphere with our proclamations. I heard a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters. If you've stood next to a big waterfall, it's pretty loud. Yeah. If you stand on a boat on deck in a storm, you can't hear an awful lot. Come on, let's fill the place with praise. Let's fill the place with shouts and cries of, 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 of joy, but also of cries of challenge to the opposition. Like loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah. Why? For the Lord God Almighty reigns. The King has returned. The King has come. This is about the end. This is about when he's come back. And it says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. You know, let us rejoice and be glad for the wedding of the Lamb has come. Some of you might be thinking, what on earth is that going on about? We sung a song this morning about, you know, your bride will come together and we'll sing. In the Bible, it talks about Jesus being the bridegroom and the church, God's people being the bride. And I don't know about you, you know, my wife, I would invite her up here, but she would kill me, okay? I think she's gorgeous. I love my wife, and I'm, I think, you know, she's, she's, I've done incredibly well, you know, to, to have such a good-looking uh, and gorgeous wife. She'll kill me anyway now for saying that. <coughs> and I think, you know, she spends time getting ready. But on our wedding day, oh, wow, you know? On a, someone once said, you know, there's not a bride that can look bad on a wedding day, really, is there? With all the effort and the money that's gone into it, surely. You know, the makeup and the scaffolding that's put around people's faces. And, um, <laughs> I'm not talking about Roz here, okay? okay. You know, Roz needed very little, honest. But on my wedding day, I'm digging a hole here, aren't I? That wasn't in my notes. That wasn't in my notes, okay? On my wedding day, to turn as I was stood in Springmount Church to turn and see, and she says, I didn't turn and look for long enough. I, was, I thought I wasn't allowed. 
I thought he had to sort of stand there looking very serious. But I turned and had a glance and it was just like, wow. You know, wow. Because she was my beautiful bride, she was ready in an amazing outfit. And even now when I see it, I just think, wow. You know, she was ready for me. She spent all that time. It wasn't just the day. It was the months of going for fittings of the dress. It was the, the sessions of just making sure everything was just right, that the flowers she was holding, that the things she was wearing just looked perfect, even down to sort of the jewellery. And on her wedding day, on our wedding day, she must have looked to the front and gone, wow, he looks all right as well, you know? Because <laughs> I don't think I've looked quite as good since. No, don't agree. Okay? You know, on our wedding day, my wife was spectacular, captivating. She, she, she is most days, in fairness, you know. Apart from when she's asleep going, like oh, that, okay. That's quite not as attractive, but most of the time, she's, but I, I tell you, pot kettle black, okay, that's, that's, that's the thing. So I would probably say, if you'd have asked me beforehand, I would have probably said she could just turn up in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt and she'd look lovely, okay. I'd have probably said that, I'd have been a happy man. But what a picture I have in my mind and I have on our wall at home of what she looked like as she walked towards me. She got ready and she was prepared. And it was wow. Do you know, that is the picture we're seeing here in the Bible that Jesus is returning as the bridegroom to meet with his bride. Are we ready? Or are we just going to show up in Jesus in a t-shirt? He'd probably still love us. But are we prepared are we spending the amount of time on our spiritual life as we would do on our physical features? Because man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. I say this because the king is coming again. The king has come, and the king is coming again. He said it himself. This isn't Johnny Harrison talking. This is Jesus. What a picture. God is asking us to be ready. He says it will happen. It is a promise that he's coming again. It's a promise he's coming again. He says it will be spectacular. It will fill the skies better and bigger than any firework display you've ever seen. And that's what the cry will be. Don't be shy, Isabella. Come on. Go for it. Do you know what he wants? He just wants us to be ready. He just wants us to be ready to meet him. He just wants us to be ready. So are you ready? Are we ready? Marriage is about relationship, isn't it? Marriage is about relationship. It's not just that one day. That one day is exciting. But then actually it's about relationship. It's about time. So as we look at the king's return and we look at eternity, faith and eternity are rooted in a relationship with Jesus. It's not just about saying I believe one day, but it's about walking every day, saying I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to choose to walk beside you. I want to choose to walk in your steps. I want to choose to follow your paths. Because those that are unready, Jesus says, will raise a huge cry of lament, a huge song of sadness, a huge song of sadness. You know, Jesus told a parable, Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, Jesus said this, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, basically, these ten people all looked the same. They were there for the same role. They were there for the same purpose. We just know there was ten of them. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise, okay? The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. They didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. They didn't just take their lamps. They didn't just take their lamps filled with oil. They had readiness for if the oil ran out. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all felt, became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were already the wise virgins were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. In this parable, five were ready, five weren't. And it tells us it's about relationship, because at the end of it, the five that weren't ready, the bridegroom says, I don't know you. I don't know you. No, do you know Jesus? Does he know you? Are you in relationship with him? Have you accepted him? Are you choosing to walk with him? Because that's what it's about. It's not about coming to a building on a Sunday and singing some songs. It's not about even reading your Bible every day. A lot of atheists read the Bible. It is about walking every day saying, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I want to walk beside you. Jesus, I want to follow you. And I know that you're coming back for me. That is what it's about. Love and relationship are what's important. Do you know, as we look at this story, the absence of oil is the fact that actually five of them had lost their relationship with the Holy Spirit. The oil is symbolic of the Spirit of God. And so often we can do th do go through all emotions and we can say the right things, but God wants you to be filled with his Spirit. God wants the oil of his Spirit to be in your life so that you're ready, so that you're ready for him. Their relationship wasn't there. You know, they even try and take someone else's oil, don't they? Can we buy some off you? Can we have some of yours? Do you know, I'm not a Christian because my mum and dad are Christians. I'm not a Christian because I was born in England. I'm not a Christian because I went to a school that had good morals. I'm a Christian because I've chosen to follow Christ. I'm a Christian because I've chosen to say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, and I thank you that you beat death for me, and I thank you that you're coming to take me from here. That is why I'm a Christian. You know, I can't be. My dad sold heat, heating and kitchens. I haven't got a clue. About, I'm not interested in pipes and radiators. My dad got excited about boilers. Ooh, you know, I'm not my dad. I can't just buy my faith from somebody else. I can't just say, well, my parents have got it, so I must have it. Because there's many people in this room who might have parents who haven't got that. So the same is the opposite as well, isn't it? They can't have it off you. We just need God's grace daily filling and connecting us with Jesus through his Holy Spirit. That's what we need. That's what makes us ready. That makes us ready to say, God, I'm sorry. 
You know, the return of the king will happen. The return of the king won't be good news for everybody. I'm praying it's good news for all of you here, and we want it to be good news for everyone in our town. But the return of the king will have eternal consequences. You know, we don't like to talk about it, but God is holy and he will judge. You know, I could say to you this morning, you know, do you like my shirt? Yeah, oh, very positive, Maria, thank you. Okay, do you like my shirt? You might say yes, some of you might go no. Some of you might say, Johnny, you've got a bit big, you need to lose a bit of weight, you know. I, I know, you don't need to tell me, I'll see it every day. You only see it briefly. And we don't like judgment, and people say, oh, I'm not going to church. Everybody will judge me there. Do you know, I'm, I pray that as you come into this place, nobody will judge you for who you are. Because, you know, I'm scruffier than all of you, apparently. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's all right, Donna. I haven't taken it personally, honest. <laughs> but actually, no, we don't condemn. We don't condemn because it's not about behaving. It's about belonging. And we need to be part of Jesus' family. We need to be in that relationship with him to be part of his family. But God will judge. He is holy. And the Bible tells us he will judge. You know, I don't know, again, I don't watch it. I've got to relate it to telly because it's the only way I can in some ways. But I know there are programs like Judge Judy and Judge Rinder. I don't watch them. But I don't watch them. No, I, don't, I, don't, I think I've probably seen them briefly once in somebody else's house. But I don't watch them. But people quite like them because it's about justice, isn't it? We like to see fairness, don't we? Yeah? We all like to see fairness. We like to see someone being treated right and somebody getting the right result. Because that's fair. God is fair. He is the only one who is right. He's the only one who is righteous. And he's the only one who's worthy to judge. He's the only one who is able to judge. So we should be able to say, thank you. Because actually we know he's not unfair. We know he's not going to do it wrong. He's going to do it right. And often we use the phrase, um, I think it was Billy Graham that first came out with it possibly, which is... <coughs> It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that makes you go, that's not quite right. Speaks in our conscience maybe, prompts us to do the right thing. The Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's our job to love. And I totally agree with that phrase. I think it is our job to love. And I hope if you come to Springmount Church that you are loved and you feel loved and you feel people that, that will accept you for who you are. But it is God's job to judge. We skip over that bit, don't we? It is God's job to judge. And the Bible tells me he will. He will. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Do we know Jesus? Are we going to be gathered to meet him like the five who had the oil? Or are we going to be left outside with the door shut? Because that's not a place where God wants you to be. But there's going to be a cut-off point where he says, right, enough. Enough warning. He is fair. He is just. He is worthy. And you know, he's already given us plenty of time to see and know him. 2,000 odd years ago, Jesus was born. He's given us plenty of time to say yes to Jesus. The question is, will you? Because we need to be ready. We need to be prepared he just asks us to be ready for the return of the king. Because this time, it's not just the shepherds invited to a stable. It's not just the wise men invited to bring gifts. 
it's not just King Herod who gets a bit upset. We are all, all invited to the party. We're all invited to the party. And what a party it will be. It will fill the sky. It will shout the glory of God. But there will be a huge lament if we're not prepared to accept his invitation. So this morning, that's the challenge. As we come to the end of this year, the king is coming again. Are we ready? Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've just heard the, the things we've said, but actually it's important to know that the promise is the king is coming again. Are we ready? If you don't know how to make yourself ready, these little cards we sometimes give out have a little step-by-step thing to say, actually, this is what it's about, that God loves us, that we've made mistakes. So Jesus died for us, and the question is, what are we going to do? And there's a simple prayer on this card that you can say that just says, I choose Jesus. But if you're a Christian this morning, then I want you to also be challenged by the fact that sometimes we let the oil run out. Sometimes we let the oil of his spirit run out in our lives. Sometimes we just run on empty instead of being prepared. And the Bible tells we need to be ready. So this morning, why don't we take it to him and say, God, get rid of the rocks, get rid of the boulders, and fill me anew so that I can be ready and I can glorify and shout the hallelujah. I can raise that hallelujah, even in the presence of my enemies. Which will it be? Let's pray.